I, I feel like it was a blunder on our parts. This would be technically the Halloween SM night, and I see there's just people that came prepared. So can we clap for those who dressed up tonight? I, I appreciate it. The intentionality was there. And uh, yeah, Indiana Jones, I saw, I think like someone dressed up as Jason. That to say, I am appreciative of it and something that I definitely, maybe next week when we have it, we just go all out and we do crazy Halloween stuff even though it's past Halloween. But yeah, I just wanted to acknowledge that. But yes, like Amanda said, I am super excited to talk on grace tonight. And this is something that I think, um, I just feel like I'm really loud. Am I really loud to you guys or no? I'm not that loud at all. Okay, perfect. I, again, I just, you know, uh, these things that I'm thinking about. No, I really, really appreciate it and really like this, this series that we're going through. Back to the basics. You know, Rich talked last week on baptisms and the importance of baptisms and what they mean for us. Um, and what it looks like to walk with Jesus and to just proclaim your name and your willingness to just lean in um, through baptisms. And so, yeah, tonight I get to talk on uh, grace. But before I, I would do that, I do just to, I feel like I, I like to settle down when I speak and in doing that. I know we just prayed, but I would love to pray again for everyone if you bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, I am just, yeah, grateful for this opportunity we have to come here um, to come here to, to learn about you, to walk in relationship with you, not just by ourselves, but with uh, a community of people that are interested in the same thing, Lord. Um, I know walking with you is, is a hard task, and in this conversation of grace, there's a lot of situations in our life where maybe we don't deserve this grace, or this grace is an interesting concept and maybe something that we don't necessarily understand or know how to receive and accept. And so, Lord, I just ask tonight that you speak through me, you open these kids' hearts, you open these leaders' hearts, and hopefully that when we head to small groups, Lord, that we can have fruitful conversations all uh, aiming towards getting to know you more, walking in relationship with you more. Um, Lord, we love you, we thank you. Amen. Well, yeah, I'm just, again, like I said, I'm really excited. And so tonight, like I said, we're going to be walking through a series on grace. I had really a lot of fun making this PowerPoint because they just, they helped me make it look cool. And so in that, we get to talk about grace and in that, we're going to walk through three sets of um, kind of paths in order to better understand grace. And so those paths are, we're going to remember what it means, uh, what grace is from a definition standpoint, but also what it looks like biblically. biblically. Um, what does the Bible have to say about grace? What are some situations in the Bible where we see God and Jesus use grace for people that maybe are undeserving? We're going to recognize some places in our life where maybe we don't deserve grace. Situations where, yeah, maybe we might have wronged someone or have turned away from God. And yet in the midst of that, uh, God has shown us grace and mercy and love. And lastly, we're going to learn how to understand and receive this grace. Um, what it looks like to receive it on a daily basis. What it looks like to receive it on an annual basis. But I'm just really excited um, to walk through these three R's with you. And so to begin, we're going to look at the first R, and that R is remember. So I always say, what is grace? Like, you know, is it, is it a name? Is it something you get buy one, buy one, get one free at Harris Teeter? There's probably a brand that's called grace. It's this weird concept that I think sometimes we, we say we know, but then when someone asks you what's the definition of grace, they don't really, they, they kind of get stumbled in their words, and they're like, ah, I think I understand how it is presented and how it's kind of an action, but I don't really understand it. And so I would love in a moment, well, actually, and the moment is now, what, are, what do you think is the definition of grace in your eyes? I would love, you can think about it, and then if you want to raise your hands, I would love to hear what you guys think is the definition of grace. And it is very subjective and opinionative, but uh, I'm interested. What do you guys think grace, the definition of grace is? Hayden. 
getting something you don't deserve um, and earn. Yeah. Yes, Josie. Forgiving. Yes. There's a lot of, def- I feel like grace is this weird like blanket statement that kind of covers a lot of realities and oftentimes it orients and kind of relates to forgiveness or maybe like Hayden said, deserve it, getting something that we don't necessarily deserve. Um, and I think all of those answers are true. And so this one definition that I really, really like uh, says this. It says, grace is a gift that is freely given unmerited favor and love of God. I think what I love about this definition is that I think it truly captures what grace is at its core. It is a gift that we receive completely free. There's no, again, coupon. You don't have to spend this to get an extra one free. It is completely free. It is not earned. It is not deserved. But it all comes, like it says, from unmerited favor and the love of God. This love that God gives us is this unconditional love. And I love that definition because I think it really speaks to that. And so I think now that we kind of have this this similar definition of what grace is in our life, I want to take this and I want to look at it biblically. I said there are so many passages in the Bible, so many verses in the Bible that speak on grace in situations where God showed grace to someone. And in that, we're going to walk through Acts 9. And so if you have your Bibles, if you have your apps on your phone, I also have it on the screens. So we're going to read, I think it's, I broke it into two power, it's like two sets of PowerPoints. And so we're going to read 9 through, I think it's 11, but we'll, we'll get there. And then uh, we're going to stop for a second, and then we'll read again these verses. And so if you want to follow along on the screens or look it up on your phones, we're going to read Acts 9, 1 through 5 so far, and we'll, we'll go on from so forth. Acts 9 reads, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus. So that if he had found any belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Then the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voices, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he went without sight, neither ate nor drank. And we'll stop right here. I'll give us a synopsis, and then we'll, we'll pick back up in verse 18. And so it says... Like, what we see right here is we ultimately see Saul, Paul, uh, is that God speaks to a man named... We see that Saul is spoken to by God and is immediately sent to the ground. He is blind and he has nothing, he has nothing else to do but say, okay, I'm at the mercy of you, God. I'm just going to follow what you're going to say. And then we see later throughout the next couple of verses uh, a man named Ananias that God calls to ultimately meet with Saul and speak to Saul. Um, and Ananias does not want to do this. Like I said, Saul is someone who is getting <laughs> the, the signatures from the synagogues to head down to Damascus to, to capture Jews and to murder them. And in that, like, Ananias is like, God, what are you doing? I don't want to meet this guy. And so we'll pick up now at verse 18, and we'll read 18 through 22. And it says, And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes as he regained sight. Then he rose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. 
For days, for some days, he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who had heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem, or, who, or those who called upon this name? And he has, has he not come here for the purpose but to bring them bound before the chief priests? See, Paul, in this situation, this story, it's just such a crazy 360. Saul, in this situation, really, really came to, at one point, kill and persecute the Jews, to murder them. He cared more about this wealth, this, this power, this stature, and, and everything about him, and who he was, and this identity that he had created himself, to a man that we see and we read in verse 18 through 21, to a man that was living by grace and faith. Paul did not deserve any of this. Paul was actually the person, he probably deserved it the least amount compared to anyone else. He was literally persecuting and murdering Jews for what he thought was the right thing to do. And in that, God still saw this this gift and this this purpose behind Paul's life. And he said, I am going to give you grace. I'm going to give you mercy. I'm going to reborn you. You're going to be reborn in me. And I just think that's such a powerful example of a situation where we can remember, we can see a place where God showed mercy and grace to someone who did not deserve it in any way, shape, or form at all. And I love that. And so lastly, a place in the Bible we get to see this is in Luke 23, 34. And this is a a small verse to a bigger passage that you guys hopefully already know. And that is small letters, I'm sorry. And it says this, it says, And Jesus said to him, Father, forgive them, for they not know what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. Jesus dying on the cross for sins that he did not commit. And people are literally spitting on him. There we read, they are casting lots to divide his garments. They are literally placing gambling bets on who gets what piece of clothing from Jesus. They don't care at all on what he's doing why he's there, they just, they, they are so consumed with their sinful nature, their pride, their, oh, who, here we are, that they are looking at a man who is dying for their sins. And, and in that, there's just such, such a really, really st- cool story about how Jesus shows them grace and mercy. That in the midst of all of this, that Jesus, his words are, Father, forgive them, they not know what they do. He is avidly thinking about mercy and grace in the midst of pain and anguish and just complete dis, just rejection. And I think there's something so beautiful about that. And so when we remember what grace is and what it means in our lives, it ultimately leads us to recognize how, how it affects us in our lives, how we, are, we recognize our shortcomings in our lives and that there are places in our life where we don't deserve grace we don't deserve mercy. We don't deserve the things we have, the places we are, because a lot of times we don't necessarily control those things, and yet God continues to show up and show mercy. And I really love that. And so this video, before I play it, is something that I really thought is really funny. And so in that, I want us to really laugh at this video. If you think it's funny, if you don't think it's funny, then you don't have to laugh. But then after this video, we're going to get jump right back in. And so I would hope that we, you know, we, can, we can really do that. And so John's going to pull up the video right now, and then I'm going to explain this video. All right, well, this is the third time you've been unconscious this week. I just don't think it's very good for your brain. I know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome how you uh, saved his life and all. That was just... See? You really have to be extra, extra attentive. When you have so many guys in the water, you can't miss a thing. Calls, but... Help! Little guys, You can stop it. Oh! 
So pretty much in this video, if it's, I know that this, the quality of the video wasn't great. And the video, I was going to play the whole video, but then it, it gets really weird. And this guy like plugs his own YouTube channel. He's like, follow my YouTube channel. I was like, no, OK, we're done. But in that video, it's real, I think it's really funny, because I think this really is us. We are Arnold in Surf's Up. So the video starts with Arnold getting saved again by the lifeguard. And she goes, this is the third time you've been unconscious this week from drowning. Like, you probably shouldn't do that. He's like, I know, I'm sorry. And then the video cuts to him, like, sneaking back into the water. And then he, he takes it, and he just falls backward into the water. And he falls in, and then she saves him again. And I think that is just us. We are Arnold. We will always somehow, by the nature of who we are, because we were made in sin but saved through God, that we will always find ourselves constantly just going back to this water, finding ourselves chasing the materialism, finding ourselves being selfish, finding ourselves just, yeah, living a life that is not godly. And, and we will make those mistakes, but what I love is that even when we make those mistakes, even when we sneak back to the water after we've been unconscious three times from drowning, she and Jesus still saves us. God saves us like the lifeguard saved us. And I just, I think that's such a funny video, but such a, a truth one. This clip shows how it really speaks to how sinful we are. And I, I, I love that because it, it, it's true. And so as we recognize our shortcomings and we recognize places in our life where we have struggled, where we maybe have, you know, made a decision that really could have hurt someone else, and yet their reaction wasn't what we expected. Maybe we didn't get as punished as we were expecting, or someone showed us grace. So I really, really expect and hope that tonight in small groups we can think of those situations. And so I'm going to share one that I'm not like, there's nothing prideful in what I'm saying. And if anything, I, I still, to, my, to this day, like regret this reality. And so when I was a kid, I was probably like, I would say like 12, so I, we were sitting, I was sitting at the dinner table, and my parents had this, like, bowl. It was this, like, family heirloom. And it was this really, it, it wasn't, like, anything special. It didn't, it didn't look good. It wasn't made of gold. But it was this, like, this sentimental value of just this, this bowl that my mom had been passed down from her great-grandma to, like, her grandma to, to now her mom to her. And I remember me and my mom had gotten an argument over, like, she had said, I don't remember exactly the situation, but it was, like, Hey, Brett, like, you get to pick dinner tonight. And then I was so excited because we were going to have pizza. And then it wasn't pizza. It was meatloaf. And I was like, Mom, how could you do this? And then we got in this, like, big fighting argument. And I was really upset. And I remember in emotion, I looked at her. And I picked the bowl up. And I stared her in her eyes. And I just let go. And it shattered everywhere. And as that is happening, and my brain is processing what I just did, and my mom's brain is processing, we immediately, I remember just immediately just start crying. And I run upstairs. And I run up in my room. My mom it runs up into her room. She cries. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, well, okay, so, like, I guess I'm dying tomorrow. Um, like, it's just, it's not looking good. I literally, at one point, was like, am I moving the things out of my room? Like, am I just taking my bed out? Am I, what's happening? And I remember, like, an hour later, still in my room. I'm still, I feel like, still crying. And my mom walks in. And I'll never forget this because I think it's just something that has stuck with me for forever. And she walks in and she goes, you know I still love you. And I thought to myself, wow, I don't deserve this. And that's not to say I didn't get punished. And because our actions still cause us to, to be inflicted. When we don't trust in our parents, when we don't trust in God, we still are affected by our actions. There's a cause and effect of all our reactions. But her first reaction was, you know I still love you. And that broke me. And if something that has really helped me sit down and say, well, God, I, I didn't deserve that. I didn't deserve that grace. I didn't deserve that mercy. And I think it's, it's been something so beautiful because that's, that's how God is with us. 
We will sit there and we will break and we will, like Rich said on the bike last week, we will try to kick him off the bike. We will turn him away. We don't want him on our tandem bike. And yet he will still be there and he will still cover us in our grace. And so what I love about this, this process of remembering what grace means and now recognizing our shortcomings and knowing that God loves us unconditionally and that he is going to cover us with our grace and he's going to save us even when we continually d- defy him is something so beautiful and something really, really cool and something that I still am just blown away by. There will be places in our life where we don't make the best choices. Maybe it's a situation where, you know, I don't know if this resonates with anyone, but sometimes like I'm in a bad mood and there are people to be around me and I kind of want them to understand that I'm in a bad mood or I want to sometimes when I'm in a really bad mood, I want them to like be in a bad mood with me and I hurt other people's feelings and I'm not great. And yet in that, they're still good friends and they're still there and they're still supportive. And I think that is just something that we need to acknowledge and really recognize in our life. And lastly, as we walk through this, this three-step process of understanding grace is we need to learn how to receive his grace. And then I love this, this quote is, in order to receive it, uh, we must draw near to him, embracing the uncomfortable and accepting what is eternal. I always feel like when it comes to just like sitting in uncomfortable, it's really hard. You know, sometimes when like you do something wrong and like either, I remember in school, it was like the teacher always said, you have to say sorry, you have to apologize to the person or something. Or maybe it was, a, you did this to your sibling and your mom or your dad's making you say sorry to your sibling. And so they make you walk up to them and you go, I'm sorry, and then they go, say it with, like, I don't like your tone, say it again, you're like, I'm really sorry, and they're like, well, why are, what are you sorry for, and you're like, I'm sorry for doing this, it's really uncomfortable, it's not easy to say it, and you don't want to say it at all, you don't even want to acknowledge it, and it's just the worst, trust me, I have a, I have a younger sister and a younger brother, and I've had to, to say that oftentimes to them, and in that, it is just this uncomfortable place, but when we do that, when we embrace that uncomfortability, when we sit in the problems, the places where we are struggled or the shortcomings in our life, um, we, we end up accepting what is eternal. We accept this gift of grace, that we are covered and saved by grace through faith. When we trust in God and his plan for us, we, we embrace the uncomfortable and we accept what is internal. And I think that's really, really cool. See, Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne that we may receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and grace and help to help in time of need. When we are willing, like Paul, to lay it all down at Jesus' feet, say, hey, I have no other option, and accept this gift of grace, then all of those burdens, all those things that we are ashamed of, all those things that we don't want to carry, the things that bring us anxiety, the things that we hope no one else finds out, God is right there to take them all from us. When we accept and receive his grace, we we realize that, yeah, we aren't good enough. We will fall short. We will go back into the ocean and fall backwards. But there is a God that is willing to take it all from us. We just have to sit there and, and acknowledge those things and really receive it. See, in order for us to grasp this concept of grace, we must follow these steps of remembering what it means, what, what, what does grace mean from a definition standpoint, but then also to go to the Bible and remember all the places where God showed mercy and grace to those who did not deserve it. And lastly, we need to receive it. We need to sit in the uncomfortable and to trust and embrace and allow God to just take away our burdens and our struggles. And so before I get to my main point, I would love if we all followed in this 
this thing. And so I'm going to say a statement, and you guys can repeat after me, okay? I think we're all capable of doing this. And that statement is this. It says, Lord, I am a sinner, but you are a Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. And I am covered by your grace. I think we can do that again. I feel like there was just not, I want, I want, I want to see it. Lord, I am a sinner. But you are a Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. And I am covered by your grace. See, we don't deserve this gift that God has given us. But that's not the point. See, God loves us unconditionally. He loves us so much that it, it, it's not, it's, it, nothing we can do can defeat that reality. And so my homiletical idea tonight, and we're going to head to small groups right after I say this, um, is that every day is a gift that we often waste. Regardless, we are covered by his grace. There are so many days where we choose to not live for him. There are many, so many days where we say we're going to choose to live for him, and we kind of do, and then we kind of think about ourselves, or, you know, I mean, like, okay, you know, I probably should be buying candy right now, and then I buy candy, and then I hide it from my wife. Like, those are the things where I probably shouldn't be doing. And, and in that, all, I just feel like we can all kind of resonate with that reality that, yeah, sometimes we waste the day. So every day is a gift that we waste. Regardless, we are covered by his grace. God's grace covers us all. No matter what we've done, no matter what we think is too much, insurmountable, he covers it. He takes it from us. And so, Lord, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray tonight, and we can head to small groups. Um, hopefully we have enough time for, for the conversations. So, Heavenly Father, Lord, just, yeah, thank you for tonight. Thank you for our grace. Thank you for this opportunity for us to just remember what it means, what it looks like, Lord, and, and the Bible to give us just answers for places where, man, people do not deserve it. Lord, I ask that when we think in small groups of situations in our life where we do not deserve your grace, where situ situations where, yeah, we, we think that we have wronged a lot of people, that we can just align our hearts and surrender and sit in the uncomfortability and embrace, yeah, your grace and your love for us. So, Lord, I, I pray in small groups we can do that, and I pray that it can be fruitful. And so, Lord, I love you. I praise you in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen.